Theology Gals, Episode 18, Private Revelations and God's Will. Knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. The gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned is not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi and welcome to Theology Gals. I am Colleen Sharp and my co-host is Ashley Glassick and we are a podcast for women on the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. And Ashley, I think you are done with school now finally, aren't you? Yeah, I'm really excited. Really, really, really excited. (laughs) I heard someone say, there's no tired, like, end of the year teacher tired. So, but I bet mom tired has us beat. But it's still a pretty, pretty serious tired. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I do think it's a little different when it's your own children than when it's someone else's children. You know, just, I mean, I don't have it. And I can't even relate to what it's like to be a teacher, you know, five days a week, nine, ten months a year. Mm-hmm. But when I've been like a counselor at um, at camp or uh, taught Sunday school and things like that, I always felt like other people's children wore me out a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. You can't discipline quite the way you would with your own, I guess. Right. That's true. And being a teacher, I think, especially today, has to be especially draining because mm-hmm. you know, it's different today. You know, when I was growing up, you listened to your teacher, you know, and parents supported that. Teacher was right. And right. you don't get the same amount of parental support that... Right that teachers used to get. I know even my mom, who was a teacher, talked a lot about how that changed mm-hmm. through the years. So I can understand that you're tired. And then you're leaving for Italy, which is, you'll be in Italy when this airs. So. Uh-huh. Yep, I will be. So I'm really excited. I can't wait to hear about it when you get back. Um, and you're going on vacation too, aren't you? Yeah, the week after you get back, we just we just found out this we were kind of this summer we were kind of winging it the last couple summers we've planned some long trips in our motorhome and we said let's just do several short ones and my sister-in-law sent us a message i want to say it was like friday night or friday or saturday night i think it was saturday night and said i want to come out for a week in june and then we decided 
that we would go to the mountains and take the motorhome up there and they'll get a cabin and we'll stay in the motorhome and do that for a week trying to think anything else you'll be gone for a couple weeks so we do have a couple of other shows planned without you but we have some special guests coming on and i think our audience will appreciate them one of the topics we're going to be discussing is abuse in the church which you know maybe is a little bit of a controversial topic but it's something that i have gotten messages from women about and decided you know what this is something maybe we need to address and we're actually having a pastor on to discuss that that's a difficult that's a difficult topic so i I know i've i've heard i've heard some podcasts on it lately i think i think mortification of spin had one not too long ago um but yeah that's a hard one but it's a good one that needs to be addressed yeah and one thing i've been kind of like researching if churches or denominations have policies in place and so I've been reading some of those and that's been kind of interesting and I think that a lot of denominations do have policies in place but one thing I found out recently is not all the churches specifically are following them Um, I was contacted by a woman and they had an abuse situation uh, one of her children and you know she's she asked me you know what they should do because the pastor said one thing and i asked her what denomination and she went and looked up and the pastor was saying something contrary to what the denominational Mm. policies were so it's kind of interesting and maybe even something people should just kind of look into does your church have policies in place on how to deal with that so and then i'm hoping i'm still scheduling it for the other week that you're gone an episode on sanctification with a special guest if that doesn't work out i have a a backup idea so that'll be kind of fun we've had you know a lot of growth in the group for those who aren't in the group i wanted to mention something if you're somebody who isn't in the group and you're trying to join the group we added something new it's a new thing on facebook and when you join you have to answer a few questions and the reason we did this is we're just getting so many requests from so many different people and then people were coming in and then even though we have our set guidelines they were like surprised by them so we put some questions in place you know have you read the guidelines we want people to read the guidelines before they join so they're not surprised by what our group is about what our rules are and those sorts of things so you know, if somebody requests to join, they don't answer those questions. And it, it's right there when you when you join and we even send reminders, then, um, you know, we're basically ignoring the request, hoping that people will re-request and answer the questions. Also, no boys allowed. So yeah, if, what's up with that? <laughs> if you're a guy and you're trying to join the group, we're just going to reject you every time. Go ahead and try. <laughs> Even if you answer the questions. <laughs> Even if you answer the questions and read the guidelines, no boys allowed. It's a it's a club for girls only. Right. And we need to put up like like a, one of those signs you put outside a fort or something. No, no boys allowed. No boys allowed because they're stinky. So, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. When a, a guy actually requested join, and it's actually somebody on my Facebook friends list. And I was like, he should know better. And he even answered the questions. <laughs> and I was like, wow. A, a guy asked me, a guy asked me, is your podcast like, like, am I allowed to listen to it? And I was like, sure. Like, 
I don't, I know that there's men that have like that listen and like we're making it for women, but by all means, you know, I think it's appropriate. I think some episodes are appropriate for men to listen, you know, um, on some we probably are teaching, but then we have some with interviews with men, like the, the church and the abuse episode is an interview with the pastor he is doing most of the talking um i already recorded it actually so you know some episodes probably are perfectly it's perfectly appropriate for men Mm -hmm. to listen i mean last week's episode was on being dad and even though there was a lot for moms also you know there was a lot of good stuff for dads and i've gotten messages from a couple women oh i had my husband listen so i don't think there's anything yeah wrong when we're interviewing a man you know if a man wants to listen <laughs> we're, we're yeah we can't keep them from listening exactly either. <laughs> uh yeah well um i wanted to give a shout out to my friend jade i was at i was at a baby shower this past uh weekend and she was going around telling people at the baby shower about our podcast and i was like i was like oh my gosh, like, I didn't know you listened to it. And she's like, I've listened to every episode. And she was just telling all the ladies there about it. It was really sweet. So I wanted to shout out to to Jade. Thank you for for going to baby showers and promoting us. Is that you know? the one that that's from Corona also? Yes. Yeah. She's I think from I'm our, friends with her on Facebook. Are you? Yeah. She's from our home church. So she's okay, wonderful. That's what I thought. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really that's really encouraging. Yeah, I love hearing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, today we're actually going to be talking about something that when we get back from the break, something that has come up in our group a lot, and it's kind of twofold. And that is, you know, does God speak to us today? How does God speak to us today? And something that comes up in those discussions when I, you know, when we start talking, say, well. God speaks to us through his word is people say well how do we know what God's will is on things like who to marry or what car to buy or those sorts of things we're going to also talk a little bit about the will of God and and what that is and some of the questions surrounding that so we Hmm. will be right back and get into our topic for today if in you want to be a radical Christian, then you need to go to New Jersey. Not because going to New Jersey is all that, well, it's a little bit radical, but you will be a radical Christian if you attend the 10th anniversary of the Striving for Eternity conference called Jersey Fire. What makes it so radical? The preaching on the sovereignty of God, the holiness of God, the wrath of God, the mercy of God, the truth of God, the creator God. Why all that head knowledge? So that you can hit the streets with seasoned evangelists and actually apply the theology you learned. That is what makes this conference so radical. If you would like to learn a lot about God and then actually tell people about God, July 7th through the 8th, Tom's River, New Jersey, jerseyfire.org, jerseyfire.org. Okay, and and we're back, and you know I think this is an important topic. We have a lot of women, even in our group, who are kind of new to Reformed theology, Calvinism, and I I personally think well while this topic does 
overlap with charismatic theology. I, I think this is something separate, because if you think about the continuationist, you know, cessationist debate, that's about the miraculous. We should probably define those terms. A cessationist believes that the miraculous sign gifts have ceased. So that doesn't mean all spiritual gifts, but the miraculous sign gifts, and that would be specifically tongues, healing, prophecy. And so on the reform side, we believe, or most, I mean, there's, there is Calvinistic charismatics who do believe that those things have continued, but con the confessional reformed people would believe that those things were for a specific purpose for a specific time in the story of redemption, that those things are no longer necessary. We have things like the mm -hmm. canon is closed. You know, we don't need prophecy and, mm -hmm. and things like that. And so a cessationist would believe that those miraculous sign gifts have ceased and a continuationist would believe that those things have continued. And we'll probably do just a whole episode on just that. But I wanted to mention that because I think that with charismania, this especially kind of in the beginning of the 20th century with the charismatic movement, you had a lot of this emphasis on experience and God talking to you. And so you do see it in the charismatic movement. But God talking to you personally is not a miraculous gift in as described in scripture but i've done a lot of research on it it's kind of interesting some of the stuff that i've found in my research this idea that god talks to us outside of scripture is is really very new is that this is very different than prophecy which we'll talk about in a minute but or a little bit later but it's it's very new and you really see it with the emphasis on experience and that's become very, very important in modern evangelicalism and Christian and Catholic mysticism, which is really all part of that. And one thing I found in my research is this idea that God talks to us outside of scripture was really, in the last century, it was really kind of confined to, the, to Pentecostals. It was really only, I think it was about the last 40 to 50 years that it crept into you know, the typical evangelical churches. So I think that's something to consider. Does God only talk to you if he th if you think he talks to you? Because I think if God were to talk to you, you think about hmm. the times that he did talk, you know, the burning bush, it wasn't because Moses was looking for it. You know, God, God came <laughs> and he talked to yeah. him. But so we've probably all heard people say, the Lord told me. So does right. God talk to us outside of scripture? Yeah. So I, and I, I've seen this in churches too. Uh, this is probably a charismatic church where, you know, after like worship or something, like someone will come up and be like, the Lord gave me like a word to, to share like about this or, you know, or. I was just given like a prophecy from God about like what we were, you know, and they'll share it like sometimes in worship services. Um, and so that's, I think that's kind of the question. Like, is that I, I've been to, I mean, I've been to um, a service like that at, at a, a church before. And so is that legitimate or is that like, what right. is that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think this is, this is an important question. I, in fact, you just made me think of something. Sometimes I've heard 
Well, some people, I think, in our group on this discussion were talking about when someone comes up and gives you this very vague thing. And my brother-in-law was out getting a bite to eat. He was by himself getting a bite to eat at a bar. And he started talking to this couple. And, you know, they started talking and find out that they're both Christians and this sort of thing. And she came up to him and said, and he had shared lots about his life. He was, you know, divorced a few years ago, single father, that sort of thing. And she came up and said, I, I have a word of knowledge for you. I'm a prophetess. And she said, there is a woman for you that's, the woman for you is right around the corner. Well, hmm. you know, right around the corner is pretty vague and, and there really might be a, a woman for him, you know, right around the corner. <laughs> so sometimes, <laughs> you know, I hear, well, that person says something and it was right. In fact, my friend just told me that this guy told her that he believes in prophecy because somebody prophesied over him and said, told him that God was going to give him great wisdom. And he ended up going to university the next year when he wasn't even planning or something, you know, and it was, and he's like, so that's why I know prophecy is true. And you could have, you know, instances. And I had a few guys in, in Bible college come and tell me that God told them that we were supposed to get married. Oh boy. There's a line right there. That's like a Christian pickup line. Yeah. I mean, how do you argue with that? I mean, if God told them, what do you right? What and are you one of them in particular, when and I went out on a date with them, and there were some reasons that I was thinking this really isn't the guy for me. And he was very, very angry with me for not following God's will. I mean, he was just. We went to a very small Bible college, and he had just intense anger towards me over this. <laughs> and. One of them I did date, almost became engaged to, you know, before I'm reformed and thought, well, maybe God really did. And then he broke up with me right before we were going to get engaged. (laughs) So I guess God changed his mind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've seen this also, thinking back, where people will, this isn't asking God to tell you audibly, but people will be unsure of what to do in a situation and they'll pray, God, give me a sign that, you know, I've heard just the craziest stories of people being like, I wasn't sure if I should go in, but then God just gave me this sign and I just knew that it meant that I needed to walk into that store and talk to that woman, you know, like just like really crazy stories and they sound so convincing, you know, like you hear it and you're like, yeah, that's, that totally does sound like a sign. Like, yeah, you know, um, but I think what we know from scripture is that's just not how God works today. We should probably, we should probably build our case here. What, cause I guess our answer to the question is no, God does not outside of scripture today well yeah well oh i saw somebody i think it was justin peters that said Mm -hmm. if you want to hear god speak read the bible Mm -hmm. if you want to hear him speak out loud read it out loud (laughs) yeah so we would say we i mean colleen and i are both cessationists and we would say that the gifts have ceased and we would also say that god does not speak to you outside of scripture 
So if someone comes to you saying God told them this, uh, you need to really consider what's going on there. We have some good articles, too, on this that we're going to link because there's so much good information. Well, what does scripture say, Ashley? Okay, so I'm thinking of Hebrews 1. Uh, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in the last days, he spoke to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So in Hebrews, he's... The writer is acknowledging that there have been times historically where God, I mean, you talked about the burning bush, um, and there's other instances where God has miraculously, you know, stepped in and spoke audibly to his people. Um, You know, he appeared to Moses at Mount Sinai, um, and there's other instances of that. So in Hebrews, you see he's saying, there were times where God spoke and also spoke through the prophets. But now we're in the last days. He speaks through his son. Yeah. And you know, I found this great. There's an article that I will link from Ligonier. And it's it's actually by my brother-in-law's dad, Rod Rosenblatt. And he talks specifically about this passage. And I loved what he said. He said, the writer of the epistle to the Hebrews makes very clear that God has revealed himself most clearly in the incarnate son and that we Christians living between the first and second advents are not to expect a repetition of the various ways of God's self-revelation in what the writer calls time pa- times past. So what was going on in, in you know, from Adam through the death and resurrection of Jesus and the time of the apostles was God was revealing many things and putting together in his sovereignty the story of redemption. Right. And you made a note here that like when when God did um, speak directly to his people in history, it was a big deal. Like like, for instance, the burning bush, like. It was a big deal that impacted everyone. Right. Um, it wasn't just personal, just, you know, M- Moses didn't just go off and, and get, a, you know, God saying, okay, this is the woman that I want you to marry. And um, Right. It, it, it had huge implications for Israel when he did that. And so God speaking is a big deal historically. Yeah, because it was this all, what the Lord was doing you know, whether it was Abraham, Moses, the prophets, Jeremiah, you know, even, you know, Paul and and all of these different people that he used in the story of redemption is he was bringing together the story of redemption. In the Old Testament, we're looking forward to Christ. And in the New Testament, we are being told about Christ and also given a lot of things about who we are to be in Christ and how we are to live in Christ. And I think another thing that's really important to remember is the canon, the canon has closed. And actually I have a verse that's right. a little bit further down, but I want to, I'm going to skip ahead just to read it because I love it. Second Peter one, three, his power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge who has called us by his own glory and excellence. So has the Lord given us everything necessary for life and godliness or has he not? Is there something mm-hmm. that we're missing? Right. 
Because if you're saying God speaks to me in this way and he reveals things to me, you're saying God's word isn't sufficient. Right. Right. Because we're, we're saying God in God's word is all that we need to know, like you said, for life and godliness. Yeah. And I know some people are already thinking some questions. Well, how do I do this and how do I do that? And I promise that we are mm-hmm. going to get to that. But one thing that's really important to remember is that God's word is living. It is active. This idea that God's word isn't enough, like it's something better if God is giving me private messages. Because Hebrews 4.12, Hebrews, just go read through all of Hebrews because it's going to be real helpful. (laughs) Seriously. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So God's word is this very active thing. It is. I think sometimes I feel like in the charismatic, like God's word is seen as, you know, that's God's word, but these experiences that I have and these messages from God, that's where it's really at. And we should not downplay yeah. just how how much the Lord uses his word in the lives of his people. And just the sufficiency of scripture. I mean, it's, it is sufficient, you know. But just one of my favorite things about coming to a reformed understanding of things is how how high we hold scripture um in our tradition like it's just like that is our go-to our knee-jerk reaction is well what does scripture say say whereas in like another understanding where you think god is like sharing secrets with you your knee-jerk reaction is not scripture it's your own experiences and your own feelings about situations um and so i i just appreciate that about the reformed tradition yeah i have a friend and him and his wife were in very charismatic pentecostal church and he started to become very reformed but his wife came and said god told me to divorce you and this is another thing god does not tell people to do things that are contrary to his word yep I saw this, I saw this on Twitter a few weeks ago where people were going back and forth about women pastors. And this girl was like, well, you're saying women can't be pastors. Well, if God calls a woman to be a pastor, then she'll be a pastor. And someone just shut them down. Like, God is not going to call you to be a pastor as a woman because that is outside of his plan for women. Um, And I loved that. It's like, no, that's not – God is never going to call a woman to be a pastor. He's just not going to do that um, because he said in his word, you know, the role of women in the church. So he's not going to contradict himself right. by by then calling you to be a pastor, you know. Especially when things like that are very clear in Scripture. This was not, you know, people say, well, times have changed. Well, God doesn't change. God doesn't change. And there are things that are very much part of the creation order that are very consistent mm-hmm. throughout all of scripture. Well, there's there's an article, wonderful, wonderful article I found on this that, you know, talks about when, when someone tells you God told me by Nancy Guthrie, which I'm going to link. But I wanted to read one quote from it because it just said it so well. She says, are there instances in scripture in which people describe a sense of God speaking to them through an inner voice? 
We read accounts of God speaking in an audible voice through a supernatural dream or vision, a human handwriting on a wall, a blinding light, or a thunderous voice from heaven. This is quite different than the way most people who say that God has told them something describe hearing his voice as a thought that came into their mind that they know was God speaking. One prominent teacher who trains people on how to hear the voice of God writes, God's voice in your heart often sounds like a flow of spontaneous thoughts, end quote. But where in the Bible are we instructed to seek after or expect to hear God speak in this way? Yeah, that's a great quote. Yeah, we don't see we don't see a command in scripture to sit quietly and wait for God to to talk to you. You know, and that's I know that's a really common practice. That's what they call contemplative prayer. Correct. Uh, just kind of wait. You know, just kind of wait on the Lord and just like see. You know what what He says to you. And it's like, all you're really doing is drawing on your own emotions and thoughts, you know, about a situation because God does not work that way Yeah, through prayer. Right. And somebody, when someone asked in the group, does God speak to us outside of his word or in that way? And I said, well, really the bur and she said, show scripture. And I said, well, really the burden of the of proof is on the person that says he does. Where in scripture does it say that it is common for every believer to get private messages from the Lord. That verse doesn't yeah. exist. I've looked for it. Yeah. And there were there were a bunch of prophetic people that they they make I'm I'm using prophetic like with air quotes like right that make predictions about like historical things and then it's like oh you go back to their website and that prophecy is gone. Um, I saw that happen with the with the 2016 election where they predicted a certain person was going to win and it was like on their website, you know, people have screenshots of it. And then it's like, oh, wow, where did that go? Because I thought like that was a word from the Lord, you know, so I don't know. It, it's a little bit funny, but I know it's actually not funny. Right. I think it was Jim Baker who predicted it was like last spring that the tribulation was going to start in May 2016. The Lord had told him. The Lord had told him. Yeah. So I don't know if that I haven't checked up on that. I haven't looked in his website website to see if if he still thinks that if we've been in the tribulation for the last year or not. So yeah. I have to check that out. I don't really pay much attention. But one thing I want to talk about, because this is, I mentioned this in the beginning, and I think this moves kind of into it. I, I don't think that this is the same thing as prophecy. Because prophecy was something really different. So I wanted to just kind of look at what does, what is prophecy? And I looked up in the Bible dictionary. So prophecy or prediction was one of the functions of the prophet. It has been defined as a miraculous knowledge, a declaration or description or representation of something future, discern conjecture. And then it also says to make clear, to make clear, <laughs> assert as a priority, 
properly what is clarified beforehand. Prophecy which involves divinely empowered foretelling, asserting the mind of God or foretelling prediction. So I don't think, so I really do think that there's a difference between God giving this and, and even even if you do put the two together, not, even in the New Testament, even in the early church, not every person was speaking for God. Mm-hmm. And I think today, because of the charismatic movement, there's this idea that even for in the charismatic movement, and I want to make clear, there are some Calvinistic continuationists who, who don't believe that to the extent of the charismatic movement. But in the charismatic movement, this idea that everybody should have the gift of tongues Mm -hmm. you know everybody should be able to prophecy everybody should be able to get messages from god yeah um i remember as about a 12 year old at my church telling people uh, you know when you go to like winter camp and it's like super exciting and everyone's just like stoked about you know I was like, I'm pretty sure that God wants me to be a missionary. Like, I'm I'm pretty sure. Like, it wasn't like I thought God spoke to me, but I was like, I'm pretty sure that's what he's telling me. That I'm, you know, and I was going around telling people, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, you know. And it's just, you know, I was 12. I didn't really understand, you know, how that worked. And But I don't know. It's just, it's just so interesting. Like, I probably had some sort of feeling like maybe that was something I wanted to do. And somehow that translated to me as, you know, I'm pretty sure that's what God wants me to do. Because why would I have this feeling, you know, and, you know, surprise, I'm I'm not a missionary. <laughs> but um, it, it's just, I don't know. Like, it's, it's hard to figure out exactly where people are getting these prophecy, uh, you know, quote unquote prophecies from. Is it like they just kind of think about something and think like oh like that must be god you know i i think so i think maybe even like our human desires yeah play into it when i used to think that god i think god's telling me this a lot of times it really was my own desires mixed with stuff i think god's telling me to break up with this guy yeah you know in the in the first version of michael horton's putting amazing back into grace there's like my favorite cartoon ever and it's these two girls they're sitting like at coffee and one of them says first God told me to go out with David then he told me to break up with David and go out with Timothy and then he told me to break up with Timothy and go out with John and now I think he's telling me to break up with John (laughs) yeah and there there's a lot of you can just see how like how how just inaccurate it is, you know, because you're like, I-, I think God's telling me this. And then you look back and you're kind of scratching your head like, where in the world was, you know, did I get that from? Right. Well, and the other thing is when someone comes up and says, you know, when a guy came up and said to me, God told me that we're supposed to get married. How do I respond to that? You know, God said it. Yeah. I I found this great, this really wonderful quote. I'm Graham Goldsworthy, some of you might not be familiar with him. He is excellent. Has some, he has a trilogy that is excellent. But I found this great quote from him when he's talking about prophecy, and I think this is really helpful. Every case of special guidance given to individuals in the Bible has to do with that person's place in the outworking of God's saving purposes. 
There are no instances in the Bible in which God gives special and specific guidance to the ordinary believing Israelite or Christian in the details of their personal existence. Hmm. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. I've never like thought about it really that way. Um, But it totally does make sense because like we said earlier, when he did intervene, when he did speak audibly, it had huge impacts on everyone. It wasn't like, you know, so-and-so in Israel, I want you to go do this job or, you know, go marry this person. Like, we just don't see that anywhere in scripture where he did that. Yeah, it's for, it's always something for the outworking of the story of redemption. Yeah, I, I'm thinking this just comes from like a, kind of self-centeredness too that we have where well maybe it's a self-centeredness but it's also like we really do want to know you know like if you know I'm 18 and I'm just like okay should I go to college should I go to this college or maybe go to a trade school or you know maybe not go to college you know you're like man I wish God could just like tell me like what's the best thing to do here like so I don't know it's not entirely like self-centered I think that's like a Right. You know, you wanna you wanna know like should I marry this person or take this job or move out of state? You know, like is this actually a wise thing to do? And you think, right? How much easier would it be if God would just tell me? If God just yeah. tell me, yeah. So and we're gonna we're gonna get to that. I wanted before we get to just kind of talking about God's will. I I found something actually, John MacArthur. I know for my. For my truly reformed friends, they're now like getting ready to turn me off. But I think <laughs> this is something that I, one thing that I found interesting, I'm going to step on some toes with the Calvinist continuationists, but this is something I've thought so much and I thought it was so well, so well said, is a lot of the modern Calvinist continua- continuationists will say, well, it's not, it's not like the same prophecy as like the New Testament, but from this is an article which I'm going to link and it's John MacArthur responding to modern day continuationists on prophecy and he's talking about an episode of Ask Pastor John with John Piper and he says Dr. Piper gets to the crux of the cessationist continuationist debate in his view modern prophecy is not infallible scripture level authoritative speaking, but rather something that God spontaneously brings to mind in the moment. And because we are fallible in the way we perceive it and the way we think about it and the way we speak it, it does not carry the same level of infallible scripture level authority. He claim, And then he claims some text of scripture to argue this, which you can see in the article. And then I, including John's view is also Wayne Grudem's view and represents a radical departure from his, the historic position of the Christian church. So this is, I think, something I've not heard a good response to this, but if God still spoke to us, if prophecy was still a thing, um, wouldn't it have the same weight that it did in the early church? Yeah. If we believe that God is giving us messages, why do they not have the same weight? Yeah, I'm thinking back to the prophets in the Old Testament. What they said was, I mean, think of like Isaiah and all the like confirmations of his prophecies that we see in the New Testament. Like 
we don't we don't read Isaiah and go like, oh, well, since it was spoken through Isaiah and he's like an infallible human, that it's not it's kind of infallible because he's human. Like that's actually really dangerous because you could take that really far and say like, well, like when Matthew wrote the gospel, he's kind of like an infallible human. And I don't know, that's that's kind of a scary argument. That that really concerns me. And if you know what, if you are a Calvinist continuationist and have a response to that, write us. Yeah. I will even read it on the air because I haven't heard one. That's something that really, when I was studying this, where really the argument fell apart for me. If God is really talking to people, if prophecy really exists, even, even if these are two different things, then it should be, it, this is God. You know, it wasn't wasn't fallible because God said it to Moses, who was a sinner, or wrote through Matthew, who was a sinner, or Paul, who, who was a sinner. Right. And, and I think one thing that's really important, I have this wonderful, wonderful quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones, and there's a lot of debate out there about whether Martin Lloyd-Jones was really a cessationist or a continuationist. I'm not even going to get into that, but I do, this quote is still very, very good. And it's probably too long for me to even read. I'll put it in its, I'll put a link to it in its entirety. But the point that he makes in this quote is that because the canon is closed, it is no longer necessary to get messages from God. You know, so let me just see if I can read. Um, A revelation or message or some insight into truth came to them. And filled with the Spirit, they were able to make utterances which were of benefit and profit to the church. Surely surely it is clear that this again was temporary and for good reason, that in those early days of the church there were no New Testament scriptures. The truth had not yet been expounded in written words. So this again is, there, there were reasons that existed for these things you know in the early church that that no longer exists today we have the canon we have the complete canon of scripture available to us Hmm. ashley you you brought up that wonderful quote from john owen i wanted to read because i'm sure most people have seen it but you know you were talking about it earlier and i just love that one yeah this one's kind of like a mic drop for this whole conversation He says, if private revelations agree with scripture, they are unnecessary, and if they disagree, they are false. So it's kind of like, no matter what, we don't need them or they're wrong. Like, there is no no positive reason for having them um, today, where we're at in history. So I, I love that. They're either unnecessary and if they disagree with scripture, then they're false. And kind of like we were talking about earlier, God has, through his son, through his word, has given us everything necessary for life and godliness. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that, I think a lot of people are listening. Maybe this is a new idea for them. Maybe they grew up thinking, you know, I'm supposed to like be really quiet or turn on praise music and focus and meditate on the Lord to get those messages. But what do I do? How do I know what God's will is? Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think we need to talk about that because 
I think this is something that a lot of people wonder about. I found another quote. I know I'm big on the quotes, but there's just very wise men who have said it better than I can. And this is, I think, really important to consider as we talk about this. And this was from Ligonier. It was from the devotional, so it didn't say for sure who was saying it, but I will link it. It says, one problem we face is rooted in the multifaceted way in which the term will functions in biblical expressions. The Bible use the ex- uses the expression the will of God in various ways. We encounter two different Greek words in the New Testament, both of which are capable of several nuances. They encompass such ideas as the counsel of God, the plan of God, the decrees of God, the disposition or attitude of God, as well as other nuances. So what are we talking about when we say the will of God? I mean, and and I think too, we also hear like God's secret will and his revealed mm-hmm. will. So what does that mean, Ashley? I mean, when we say... So in scripture, there are things that God has told us about himself about his plans for redemption about salvation he has revealed to us his will um and then there are things that we just don't know and we're not gonna know um and it's actually unwise to really try and understand certain things about god because though he has shown us some things um you know i don't want to say he's completely unknowable um as some will say but he has showed us some things about himself and his plans uh, for us. Um, there's a lot we just don't know. And so that would be his secret will. Um, you know, that right. we, we just, we don't know what it is. And I can't think of a verse that says, go and find God's secret will. Ask God to reveal his secret will. You know, I think maybe that's where, too, this idea that I have to find out what it is. And... I kind of wanted to use, so how how do we know what the will of God is? Let's just make up a situation. So let's say you're dating two guys and you're thinking it's probably going to lead to marriage with one of them. Which one, I was in this situation, which one do I date? Mm-hmm. And so do we just, and I think there's a few things things to consider. So first of all, we know from scripture that it's God's will that you not be unequally yoked. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So if one of them's not a Christian, obviously it is not God's will for you to marry that one. Right. But let's say that they aren't, they both are Christians. And really, you have the freedom to move forward and date which one you want. Now, I do think, though, we always have to consider wisdom also. And one thing when I was really studying this, is there are a lot of verses in Proverbs about wisdom. And there are several verses. I won't read all of them. But several verses from Proverbs that will be in our resource sheet that talk about that there's wisdom in seeking counsel. There's wisdom in many counselors. So let's say you have these two guys and you and you go and you talk to your pastor and you talk to older women in your lives you talk to your parents and you say hey I don't know what to do I like both of these guys I don't know which one to continue dating there's wisdom in getting counsel now what if one of them you fight with nonstop all the time it's always drama maybe it isn't wisdom to continue with that one so I think that you can 
consider, I mean, you not just can, but you should consider wisdom in, in making these decisions too. And the other thing is God is perfectly capable of closing doors. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you're saying, I don't know whether to go to this college or that college and you decide I'm going to choose this one, but the other one offers you a full scholarship and all these doors are opening for the other one, the Lord may, and, and all of a sudden things are falling apart with the one that you thought you were going to go to, the Lord is capable of shutting doors. Mm-hmm. God is sovereign. Right. Or, or I'm thinking of, you know, I was in this situation a couple years ago where I really wanted this one job. I really, really wanted this one job. Um, and I didn't even care about this other job that I interviewed for. And I didn't get the job I wanted. I got the job I interviewed for that I didn't want. And so it was like pretty obvious. Like, so I, I really wanted one job. I didn't want the other one, didn't really care for it much at all, but I ended up getting the one I didn't want. And so it's pretty obvious to me that, I mean, that's the, you know, got to pay my bills. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take the job that I got, not the one that, you know, the door just completely closed. Um, so it, we're not saying God's not, you know, working in, in, in ways to, to know he, he is, you know, works providentially in our lives. Um, and I think we're going to get to that about him being sovereign. Um, but, uh, we are saying instead of waiting for an exact word from God on, you know, which college you should go to, uh, you're just told to use wisdom you know, consider, consider your pros and your cons and your, you know, what, seek, seek, you know, counsel from older people that are older than you. Um, you know, I, I make that mistake where I'm pretty sure I know what to do already, you know, and I don't seek wisdom from, um, people who've been there before, you know, um, that's, that's what we're supposed to do, which, I understand why people are like, I'd rather have God just tell me because you're kind of saying, well, I have two good options here, you know. I have college A and college B. I have job A and job B. I could really do either one. And you're just kind of, okay, I've sought counsel. I guess I'm going to take job B. You know, I'm going to move out of state and do, you know, or whatever. Um, You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. You know, we aren't told what's going to happen. Um, but you're just using wisdom the, to the best you can to understand what is the best thing to do in that situation, which is a little scary sometimes. Yeah, I think part of it is learning to trust in God's sovereignty. Yeah. You know, that he's he's going to work things out. And, re- and really, ultimately, Ashley, you had brought up earlier when we were talking the verse from 1 Thessalonians 4, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Yeah, that, I mean, in everything that we do, that's ultimately God's right. will for us. We're called us. to be holy and to seek holiness, and so we have clear commands in Scripture on how we should be acting. Um, so in Thessalonians, it starts talking about you know sexual immorality and you know other things, but we we know we've been given like clear expectations for how to act, um, and so like you mentioned earlier. If if you're trying to decide between guy A and guy B, and guy B is not a Christian, it's like, well, we're told not to be unequally yoked. So God's will is not for me to marry an unbeliever because, or I'm a woman and I want to be a pastor. 
<laughs> right. God's will is not for me to be a pastor because we're given really clear guidelines in scripture for our role in the church. Um, and so if you're kind of considering option A and option B and one option will lead you into sin, that is definitely not God's will for you. Right. God is not going to tell you to do something that is contrary to his word. And God doesn't change. We're told that in scripture. And First Thessalonians 5, you just jump ahead another chapter. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Hmm. There again, we. so if you want to know what God's will is for you, go to the pages of scripture. If you have situations that are, you know, you don't know it, you're not told to go and find God's secret will. But if you have, you're trying to make a decision, you know, make sure that whatever it is is not something contrary to scripture. Seek counsel. Go with a wise decision. You know, if you're, if you're trying to buy a new car and you are already struggling to make your monthly struggling to pay your bills and you have enough money to pay cash for one or have a huge car payment for the other it's probably not wise for you to buy the expensive car that's going to make it difficult for you to pay your bills yeah you know so there's a lot of things you know and i've heard people say well i just really i I just think God was telling me to buy the new car. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't afford it now, but I think God was telling me that. There is there is still a lot of wisdom. And one other verse that I wanted to do is from Proverbs 69. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking about God opening doors, closing doors, God... Yeah. God is involved in plant, in establishing your steps. Right. I've seen this play out uh, where people are so hesitant to make decisions because they're like, I'm not sure what the Lord wants. Like, I don't know what God wants. And like, I, I really respect that conviction, you know, where it's like, I don't want to make a decision that's unwise or something. But it can keep you from just not making decisions, you know, where you're just kind of like, waiting and waiting and waiting you know like if you're you're young and you're okay you're me and you're like I want to be a math teacher like you don't need to like wait for God to come like like come down and confirm for you that you want to be a math teacher go to school get a math degree you know like if God closes those doors so so that that's not possible okay pursue something else but otherwise there's nothing wrong with going and being a math teacher I know people listening are probably like, well, I hate math. So there are something wrong with that. But um, in my mind, there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Right. Well, and for you, that wasn't even your original plan. I mean, the Lord did bring things into your life where, you know, you didn't start out college thinking, I'm going to go be a math teacher. No. And the Lord, you know, orchestrated things. He did establish your steps in Mm -hmm. ways that you did end up going into that. Yeah, in fact, I had a completely different um, goal in mind. And God really, I mean, I was, okay, I'll just say I was a a runner and I thought I was going to be some sort of professional athlete. And I got seriously injured 
couldn't run anymore. So I was like, well, obviously that's not an option for me. Like that's not <laughs> that's not what God has me doing because I physically cannot run anymore, you know? So I just kind of started thinking about, I mean, it took a while, but all right, what else could I do, you know? And I took calculus, and who wouldn't take calculus and be just so amazed and <laughs> want, to, want to major in math after taking calculus? Uh, so it was, it was one, you're right, it was one of those kind of providential things where I had one thing in mind, and God did direct my steps. He had, a, he had another thing in mind. Yeah, and, you know, I had something like that, too. I, my husband and I wanted to move somewhere from Chicago where, with his job, he could get Sundays off because we were starting to be convicted about the Sabbath. And I told my husband, anywhere but Denver. Anywhere but Denver. <laughs> well, we have lived outside Denver for almost 20 years. That was the only place that we... We believed he needed to have Sundays off, and that was the place that we he could get Sundays off. That's where he could work to get Sundays off. So the Lord had different plans than I did. Yeah. I have a friend who was in that same situation. She told her husband, anywhere but Texas. I will not go to Texas. <laughs> and he was he was offered a, a pastoral position in, at a church in Texas, and she was like, well, <laughs> that's God's plan for us, I guess. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, well, I have, there's so much stuff, and I know we have to wrap it up soon, but there there really is so so many great resources I found when I was researching this, and I'm going to have all of them on the website with this episode. I have some articles. Tim Challies has a great series on this. I mentioned the article from Nancy Guthrie, the one from Rod Rosenblatt. We've got more scripture than we could get to. Then I also found, I have not read it, but I read a great review about a the book, The Final Word by O. Palmer Robertson. And if you've never read him, he's a great author. Christ of the Covenants is a great book on covenant theology. So I'm going to link all of that. Uh, There's another book. I think I want to say it's by Kevin DeYoung. I'm going to check right now while I'm talking, but it's called, it's called Just Do Something. Let me, let me check. I, I haven't I haven't read it. Yeah, yeah. It is Kevin DeYoung. So I haven't read it, but um but I know someone I know someone who is in that situation where they were just kinda waiting and just kinda not making decisions in their life and this book really helped them, you know. Because, I mean the title of the book is just do something. And I think it's the title more, sounds perfect. <laughs> I think it's more for like men I mean, I think it's for men and women, but like men who are like having a hard time deciding like what career should I do or you know like and Kevin DeYoung's just like just do something like do something that you know it's gonna get you a job and but I haven't read the book so but I've heard that's really good I've I've heard that from a someone people. mentioned it someone mentioned it in our group when we were discussing this so yeah it, so I'm glad that I'm glad that you mentioned that so well and and we'll we'll talk in the future a little bit more about the cessationist thing and you know, some of the topics that came up tonight we'll probably dig into in more detail in future episodes. And if you have any questions, we will do another question and answer episode. If you have questions about this topic, 
you know, write to us. If you go to the website, BibleThumpingWingnut.com, click on Theology Gals, go to any of the episodes. Our contact information is there. You can write to us. You can leave us a voicemail. You can text us on our voicemail. So, you know, let us know if you have questions and we've left you confused. Let us know and we'll, we can answer those questions or try. Yeah. <laughs> try to answer those questions. Yeah. And so. if you like strongly disagree with what we have said here or in any episode, I would also like to respond to those. Please, please send yes. us angry emails. We would love to respond to angry emails. And you can, you can, <laughs> or even you can nice send, emails. <laughs> yeah, you can send nice emails too. We like those too. Um, Colleen, do you want to mention our voicemail number? We haven't done a voicemail episode yet, but if we get enough voicemails, we can start. I don't have it in front of me, but let me hold on. Yeah, I'm I gonna just, look it up really quick. We probably need to mention that I've so got we it can right start now. getting some some voicemails. Yeah, and it's on it's on the website. Um, please actually, please leave us voicemails. We really we want to do another question answer episode, and written messages are great, but we would absolutely love to be able to, you know, get voicemails. So the phone number is nine five one three six four zero two two one, and you can call and leave a a voice mail or you can text us but we'd love to get some some calls yeah leave us some some voicemails that'd be a lot of fun so we'll be right back with our question of the week looking for that perfect track for your next evangelism outreach look no further at trackplanet.com we have solid biblical tracks that are a breeze to hand out they are beautifully designed and are the highest quality tracks available with over 80 different designs in stock and literally hundreds more available by custom order, we're sure to have just the right one for you. You can get any of our items printed with your church or ministry information or have us design a brand new tract just for you. We are committed to the solid biblical message of law to the proud and grace to the humble. Each tract is firm on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the necessity of repentance and faith in salvation. Come check us out at trackplanet.com and make sure you use coupon code BTWN at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's tractplanet.com, coupon code BTWN. Okay, and we're back. And Ashley, I don't know if you've been thinking about it, our question of the week about something that when you were young, you were excited about when you became an adult to do. Something that you wanted to do when you were an adult. You need to figure out how to say that a little bit better. <laughs> so when you're a kid and you're like, oh, I can't wait till I'm grown up and I can do this thing. Yes. Okay. So initially when you asked me this, something came to mind immediately. But now that I'm thinking about it, um, I think I thought that when I was an adult... The rules would go away because I wasn't <laughs> stoked about following rules all the time. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that's what I thought, but then I found out that when I'm an adult, there are still rules that I have to follow. Um, so I was pretty excited about that. You answer because I know I had something specific in mind. And I'll, and okay, I'll think about so it while you're. When I, when I was young, my mom was like a health nut before being a health nut was popular and so you know she would pack my lunch and I would have peanut butter and honey sandwich on whole wheat bread and a piece of fruit and things like that and and this is 
like Wonder Bread was popular back in the 70s when I was young. So people would have like the, I had the healthy peanut butter. They had Skippy peanut butter and, you know, unhealthy jam. And they had a Twinkie or Ding Dongs and chocolate milk and stuff like that. And I used to just think, when I get older, I'm going to eat whatever I want. <laughs> I'm going to eat all the cupcakes and Twinkies and Ding Dongs and chocolate milk and and everything. So I thought that's what I was going to do. <laughs> yeah. And um, I still like to be healthy, but my husband, I, the only time I usually eat candy is when we go on a trip. That's like my treat. I, mm. And he just, he makes fun of me because he's like, you're a kid. Because I go in the candy like the candy aisle and I'll be like looking through (laughs) yeah that's funny Uh, my mom was really healthy too and that it's funny because like I really wanted to eat sugar cereal but I couldn't but actually when I was older my mom started to let us eat sugar cereal but now as an adult like I don't want to eat sugar cereal like I you know like Your parents, like, the stuff they teach you, like, even though you think one day you're going to be like, oh, I'm not going to do that, you know? Like, you totally do. You're like, oh, no, I'd actually rather be healthy. (laughs) Rather not have sugar cereal and stuff like that. Um, So I was trying to think. Um, I remember not liking bedtime very much and thinking, like, my brother was eight years older than me. So you were going to go to bed whenever... You yeah, my brother was eight years older than me, so like we didn't we didn't have to go to bed at the same time. Like he could stay up later. Like when he was in high school, I was in like second grade, you know. So like he would get to stay up. He'd have friends over, and that just drove me nuts because you know I couldn't stay up. And one time, actually, I was four. And my brother was twelve, and <laughs> my parents were gonna watch the movie Alien with my brother and they said no you cannot watch this it's scary and you need to go to bed because you're four you know i snuck down the stairs and laid behind the couch very quietly so that no one would hear me and they didn't hear me (laughs) and i laid there and watched alien from behind the couch through my hands because it was terrifying and i had nightmares about aliens until i was probably like eight or nine years old like I would like lay on one. Did you tell them? I told them as an adult. I was like, you remember how you said that I couldn't watch the movie Alien when I was four? Well, I did. And (laughs) I had, I literally had nightmares for years. Like I wouldn't sleep on one side of my bed because I thought the alien was going to come up through like the crack in the wall and the bed. Like, you know, and so my parents were totally right. Like you're four, you shouldn't watch the movie Alien, you know, but, uh. I thought, you know, I'm just going to stay up and watch whatever I want when I'm an adult. And I was being a bad kid. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to do that already. Yeah, I remember when I was in second grade and Charlie's Angels was really popular. So whatever night it was on, the next day, the kids would, you know, be on the playground. Did you watch Charlie's Angels last night? Well, first of all, I was in bed bed I was an always an early to bed my parents never had to fight with me about it but I was my bedtime was before Charlie's Angels started and my parents when I was seven weren't letting me watch Charlie's Angels anyways Mm -hmm. so I lied I was embarrassed Mm. that I had to be in bed before it and so they'd be like did you watch Charlie's Angels last night I'd never seen it and they'd be like yeah that was good (laughs) 
Oh, being a kid. So fun. I know. You think that, you know, when you're a kid, you think, oh, it's going to be so much better when I'm an adult. And you just don't even realize all the things that come with being an adult. (laughs) You know how easy being a kid is. Yeah, it's so easy. Well, um, well, Ashley, I'm kind of thinking... Uh, I'm trying to think if we should do a question of the week because you're not going to be here for a couple of weeks. So I'm kind of thinking, let's let's not do one since you're going to be gone a couple of weeks. It'll be our question of the week summer break. And then we'll come back to our question of the week. And you know what? We want your ideas for question of the week because we're just not that creative. So send us some ideas. We do have some because you guys have sent us some. I like I like the ideas that you guys have sent in to us. So, and other than that, you know, just if you want to support us, if you go on the website to this episode, there, you know, if you want to just uh, give us a few dollars a month, we um, have a link to our Patreon on the website. And if you want to get a hold of us, want to respond to things that we've said, if you have questions for us, all of our contact information is there on the website or you know if you want to follow us on Facebook Twitter Instagram or join our group all of that is on the website BibleThumpingWingNet.com so well thank you so much for listening we really appreciate it and we will see you next week this podcast is a member of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. All right, welcome everybody to another podcast episode with Semper Reformanda Radio. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. Welcome everyone to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. Well, welcome to the School of Biblical Harmonetics. Welcome everybody to Grappling with Theology. What is going on, guys? Shine as lights coming at you. Well, welcome to Slick Answers. Good evening and welcome to the Conversations from the port. This is the Council of Google Plus. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bible Thumping Wingnut Podcast. The Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. Ten podcasts, one network. Check them out. BibleThumpingWingnut.com.